Hi and welcome to Mosaic Tales, Connecting in the Call Community, a funded project by Northern Volunteering. Uh, this time round for this interview, I've asked a good friend, Tony Goodwin, to join us uh, for this podcast. Tony is a great storyteller. We are a big fan of his son, Craig, and he doesn't miss a beat when answering the questions. And in fact, I think I threw him a few curveballs amongst it. Tony's a great guy, has seen and been through a lot, so it's always nice to get a different perspective. We've learned a lot from Tony over the years that we've known him and has got some great one-liners. Tony and I get along quite well because I don't mind a good dad joke every now and then. However, this interview is more on the serious side. I don't think we said any jokes. Please do enjoy. Namaste. Hi, my name's Sharina. What is your name? Tony Goodwin. Nice to meet you, Tony. I've known you for a little while now, um, meeting through past Facebook messages and so on. I know that you've come here when you were seven, but tell me a little bit about your life, Tony. Well, I uh, was born in England, in Epsom, and in 1960, and we migrated to Australia in December 1967. Uh, my brother, myself, my mum and my dad, and uh, we arrived, I think it was 1am in the morning in Darwin, after quite an arduous journey, you know, visiting many countries on the way. And the interesting thing was, I remember leaving England, it was snowing. And when we pulled up to Darwin, it was 1am in the morning, and I remember we got off the front of the plane, and it was just steps then, obviously. But I remember being really confused, because the uh, outside was a wall of water, because we rocked up in the wet season in Darwin. And my brain was all confused, because it was like, well, hang on, it's raining, but why is it so hot? Because normally when it's raining in England, it's bloody freezing. So I remember being really confused as a seven-year-old over that. But anyway, we yeah, have the umbrella above us and we walked across the tarmac in uh, basically a torrential shower um, and we met the uh, mum's sister and her brother-in-law and because we lived with them in Darwin at a place called 13 Mile back then it was actually literally 13 miles out and uh, there was just two houses there and uh, um, yeah it was quite remote uh, back then on the Stuart Highway but it's now called Palmerston which is actually quite a large outer suburb city of Darwin and uh, looks nothing like it did when we were there so we lived in the bush basically so um, very interesting. It was just uh, quite a, an introduction to Australia, living in the middle of an outback, and my brother and I. And uh, yeah, that's how we. I think we were Australianised very quickly as a couple of pommy little white kids. <laughs> thrown in the thrown in the deep end very quickly. Oh yeah, I my mean, first best friend I ever had up there was a little young Aboriginal lad named Lance. He was the same age as I, and I went to school with him. We used to get on the school bus and in the morning. And uh, yeah, no, uh, it's a great bloke actually. And I said like. Uh, you know, I'd like to meet him now, and no, no, no. I believe he actually is still alive. I know he was in 2003 because a, a bloke we went up and visited in Darwin actually knew of him. I just couldn't remember the guy's last name, but anyway, I told him where he lived, and he said, oh, "I reckon he still lives there." Because I knew his sister's name was Mary, but I can't remember his elder brother. Um, but yeah, now yeah, that was quite an introduction. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad I went through it. Have you been back at all? Have you been back home? We did, we were lucky. My dad, unfortunately, he never got to go back. He died when he was 59 of a brain tumour and he always wanted to go back, um, which sort of like sat really hard with me because, you know, his brothers and everything he knew was back there. He longed to go back, he never got the chance, so that was quite sad. But we managed to, in 2003, uh, we went back and visited all my cousins and it was actually a video my cousin brought out here all the relatives and that when I had my 40th and that just made me want to go back because I made up my mind, you know, just let's do it. So we did, went back for nine weeks um, and visited a lot of the cousins I hadn't either never seen or, or remembered when we were little kids. So 
that was an amazing experience. Um, went to see the Eastbourne Air Show, see the Spitfire and Hurricane and all those planes. And I was in my element. It was just, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, we travelled up to Scotland and went to Ireland and Wales just to see everything. I guess just tick, tick every box that you probably thought you'd never tick again. So it was amazing. Do you think you'll go back at all again now? Um, I don't think so now. Uh, we did two, two up, or I did two other trips. So we actually, uh, Jenny and I did one trip together, and then I did one trip with Craig when he went back for football trials over there. So yeah, it, and they were quite long too, um, but um, they were great. You know, going to see lots of games over there was awesome. <laughs> Tell me what makes you tick. What have you done for work? Well, I worked uh, when I was fourteen. I worked in a fish and chip shop after school. Uh, I think it was sixty cents an hour. You know, it was crazy back then, but it was it was fantastic. I guess you know, because I've still got the first radio cassette I ever bought before FM came out. It was actually an FM one, but before FM became live, and I've still got it, and I, I treasure it in a way because I know how hard I bloody worked to get it. So, um, but then I yeah, worked Saturday mornings, and then I uh, ended up as a motor mechanic apprentice, um, and I was working at BP Adore Park. And uh, back then there was no laws governing apprenticeships and the, the boss, he actually closed his business and moved to Alice Springs and he basically, sorry, and that just where it just stopped. So uh, unfortunately, but I, I was lucky uh, in the pipe band, I was playing it at the time. Um, uh, the friends in the band and uh, the Kevin, his dad worked at the advertiser. And he said, oh, why don't you come put your name down? I said, doing what? He said, just put that in anything. So I did, I went in and they actually hired me the same day I went in for my interview. Um, uh, and that was interesting. And anyway, I spent 30 years there, uh, the advertiser, um, and retired, or basically left there in 2010. And then I fell into my current role as an aviation safety officer and uh, wildlife management officer at RAF Base Edinburgh. Uh, and I fell into that role. My wife's uncle actually was out there. They had a big problem with IBIS on the airfield. And I went out there to help them disperse them off because uh, they had a few, few strikes. And um, yeah, and basically the company that took over that role, they uh, couldn't find anyone with my skill set. So hence again, I got a job. <laughs> so I've never been without one. <laughs> so you walk in, don't walk out. It's very hard for the kids these days to do that. They're all um, wanting experience. And uh, so good yeah. thing about being older. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because it's, um, you know, when you're younger and that, it's like sometimes you can never be without a job and then... The young ones today, they say, you know, you've got to be 18 with 10 years experience, you know, <laughs> it's like, what? You know, but I mean, I'd never been without a job, but I was prepared to do anything anyway. But um, at the advertise, I was lucky enough to start in the old composing room, which is like, you know, as it was back in the early 1900s, hadn't changed, probably from the late 1800s. That was amazing. And then I did a lot of statistical work in the commercial environment, the counts and other stuff. But then because of my statistical work, I've gotten heavily involved in computers because they were just new then and I used to write all these figures in ledger books and add them up you know on the calculator and stuff and then um, we had a bloke who was doing a, a degree in computing and he said you see all that crap you write in the book I reckon I could get it all in the computer so you don't have to do just this week you wouldn't have to write down last week's last month last year and I'm like what so yeah I let him go away for three months and he came up with this program in a really old DOS based one and that completely changed my whole career path because I thought what else can these things do so then I ended up in IT for 18 years. Um, yeah, so it was, it was amazing. I did love that. That, that. that was really good. So, But, um, yeah, 30 years in one place, you know, you're someone now, you know, when you're, you're there any longer than two years, they start to question you. Well, you've been there two years. Bloody hell. <laughs> so, you know, 30 years, try that. <laughs> I haven't been alive that long. <laughs> Married to the job. Tell me, Tony, how do you look after yourself? Um, I still do a lot of walking. Um, I mean, I'm 62 and 8. Um, so I only say I'm 61 now. 
Um, I still do. I mean, at work, I, I keep busy. Um, and uh, luckily enough, I still get in and out of the car and walk around a little bit, even though it's mainly about driving. But I do a lot of walking, especially around the, the um, I guess, being up here in the like, sort of semi-rural area. You get to walk around the streets everywhere. Um, you know, I still eat healthily sort of thing, you know, get your normal tests every one or two years that you do. So keep a check. I was sort of like, being 60 sort of like scared me a bit because I know Dad died at 59. So to reach that age and knowing that everyone, bar one of his um, siblings, only reached, uh, got hired in 64. So that was a bit of a, a thing, you know, thinking, oh, good ones don't generally have a long lifespan. You know, my brother was 47. I mean, Mum, being Irish, she made it to 82. So she gives me a little bit of hope. So, yeah, so, I mean, they're all, all, my, all my immediate family's gone. Um, but, yeah, I'm still kicking, so as long as I am. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the time that you want to take over your mum's side, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can still speak the language, so that's okay. Mum will be saying, get your ass up here, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> not so soon, not so soon. Tony, tell me a little bit about, uh, I'm here talking about volunteering and, and hobbies and, and getting older. Have you volunteered in your life? Yeah, um, I did a lot of um, probably mainly sport um, early on. Um, got obviously my eldest lad got involved in soccer, and then my youngest one, and you know he's gone on to great heights now. But um, we started off like you know at the club just working as um, at, at coaching to start with volunteer coach, and then I did a lot of team managerial work. When I progressed on, uh, when uh, Craig was getting higher up in his game, I did a lot of, um, because of the experience that I had, managerial work, I did a lot of committee work at the club for years. I'm actually a life member at Manapara City Soccer Club for all the years of service that I provided there. Um, and and then did, did some combat medic work with the Army many years ago. And um, I sort of like used that in a role of like a trainer, um, so the medical side of things, and also helps um, at a senior club doing a lot of volunteering work on the medical side but also on the managerial side so they sort of kept me you know busy I like to keep busy you know I get bored I remember years ago my wife turned around and said to me I was sitting in the couch she's like stop it I said what she said stop it stop doing it I said I'm not doing anything I'm just sitting here she said you are you're thinking of something to do and I actually was <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah I, I, I was always a daydreamer as a kid um, and I think that was just me trying to keep my mind active. But, yeah, I mean, I try to keep active now. Um, I don't do any volunteer work as such now. I just try to keep a tab on my own job and that. But, um, yeah, I keep very busy in the garden. Do you think after retirement it might be something that you'll look into again? That is possible. Um, I know even my youngest, uh, the youngest one, Craig, he even said, well, why, why do you go back to coaching, Dad, or something like that, well, you know, back at Manapara? When you uh, retire, you know, kids, I said, so I may do. I said, you know, maybe if uh, the guy that we started off with, Red Terry, he's a bit older than me, but uh, he was like the team manager for us. And, you know, uh, Terry's still going, but yeah, he's amazing, like a bit of a surrogate grandfather for Craig. So um, I said, I'd love to go back and do another under sixes with Terry just to go, let's see what we can do now with all the knowledge we've got, you know. But I don't know, it's like, I, I may do. I don't think, I mean, there's only so much you can do in the garden and so much you can do in retirement. I think I probably would um, in some capacity. I think the sport is in my blood, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think I probably would. You know, but I'd love to go back and do, do either coaching or help out administrial-wise club committee or something like that. Being the age you are now, what would you have told your 20-year-old self? God, that's, that's, <laughs> that's going to be a tough one. Um, it's funny, I was really good at every sport I played. 
but for some reason golf evaded me and uh, I know all my kids like Daniel and Craig and that and they're, well, not so much Melanie but uh, they're really good at golf I just suck at golf I'd, I'd win the Naga award uh, every time <laughs> so yeah well probably maybe practice golf better when I was twenty years old because I'm terrible at it <laughs> I, play, I play like that um that movie they made they um Please don't tell me Caddyshack. Happy Gilmore. <laughs> if I could run at the ball and just smack it well, like playing cricket, which I was really good at, yeah, that'd be different maybe. <laughs> Why is golf called golf? Uh, yeah. Because <laughs> every other swear word's taken. Yeah, I know. yeah that's me. <laughs> is there anything in life that you haven't tried yet that you'd like to? Well, it's funny. I've, a lot of things, I can stand on the edge of a cliff. I've done a lot of abseiling. Uh, I did that with the Army as well and also a bit of fun. For some reason, I can't stand on the edge of a building without crapping myself, but um, I did parachuting back in, uh, went to Vegas a few years ago for our 50th, and best mate and I, we actually jumped out at 15,000 feet, and which was absolutely amazing, um, and we did it again for our 60th, we did that down at Semaphore, and that was better that time because you could actually take it all in. The first time, a lot of it, you were so full of excitement and apprehension of what to expect, even though it was amazing, um, but this time, was we actually took it all in. I actually wore a pair. I mean, uh, wore a pair of uh, video glasses and videoed it all, all the sound and everything. And yeah, and you watch it again. You can actually feel it better. You could feel the fall and everything. So I've ticked those boxes. Um, one of the big ones, I think I'd love to do, uh, uh, that I want to tick the box off is either get a flight in a Spitfire, a Mustang, a B17, or a Lancaster. I think one of those I would just tick my box and I could nail my own grave shut and I'd be happy. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> That's some bucket list. Uh, are you happy with all that you've achieved in life, do you think? Yeah. Um, I sort of like, even when I was younger, I gave everything 100%, except golf. Because <laughs> I just knew I'd suck that. But no, I, yeah, I always have. I've always, um, I like to sort of like master things, you know, so I, everything I've touched. My dad was a brilliant antique restorer, French polisher, and cabinet maker. And I it probably inherited more from him than I ever knew because some of the jobs I do and I look at them and I go, how the hell did I know that? You know, but obviously I must have listened, you know, and I thought, my dad was a good teacher, but um, same as mum. I mean, she was good at everything, but they, they being that, that born out in that time, I think they were good at a lot of things. It was all about survival during the war and as young kids, especially mum growing up in Ireland was very tough times. Um, but yeah, I think I am, you know, I'm, I'm happy where the kids are and all that sort of stuff, so... Yeah, I can't really complain. What do you want to teach your kids? What What do you want them to know? Um, I look at the way they've grown up and their values. I'm sort of like proud of the people they've become. Um, it's even like, you know, I look at Craig, you know, playing this, uh, soccer at the, the level he does and he's so humble with it, you know, but he's so respectful with it as well and I'm really glad. But he actually even understands, he even says to me, I'm just glad of the values you taught me, Dad, um, you know, because it just keeps him humble and, and respectful. Because sometimes some people, when they get to be elite sports people, they end up having big egos and and sometimes it doesn't belie their true personalities, but it's almost like they're living a lie. But, yeah, I just I always told them to question everything. I'd tell like to warn my kids, don't just listen to it, question everything, you know, because otherwise you, you, you're either believing a lie or you'd wait, you don't know if you're believing a lie. So, yeah, that's that's one thing, and they do. So I'm happy about that. Um, the It's amazing because in this modern technical world it's I think like granddads and stuff like that now they they've got all these skill sets that kids don't seem to have anymore because it's just become someone else can do it 
Um, back when we grew up, we didn't have like Nintendo's, Playstations and stuff, so we we're always pulling apart lawnmowers and stuff to learn. You know, and they're like obviously the girls are learning the cooking and stuff, and their mums and they, they, you know, you look at all the mums now, and they're actually bloody good cooks. You know, so um, you'd like all those values to be passed on because you know you pull the plug out of the wall. Really, we go back a hundred years. So yeah, no, I'm quite happy. Just um, they, they've done well. Um, just I can't really tell them much now because I mean they're all over thirty now, which which is sort of like awesome. Um, but I'm happy the kids they've become, and they have listened. You know, and they understand. You know, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty okay with that. Tony, thanks so much. No worries, thank you very much. Ta. <laughs>